Hey everyone, before we get into this episode where we recap the insane weekend that happened in European football, do us a favor, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts for the show, because if you enjoy the show, it would mean so much for us if you left a review and a rating. We read out any five-star reviews on the show, so if you want that, if you want a shout-out, go ahead and do that, and we'll make sure to read out your nice review. Also, follow us on Twitter, at Final Third Show, where we tweet out some hot takes Not always good takes, some bad takes as well. All right, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Final Third Podcast, the internet's number one soccer variety show. It's Monday, so it's our news and prediction episode. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of the co-hosts, a fan of Minnesota United, which did not go well this weekend. West Ham United, don't know how that's going to go. Hopefully they win against Leicester and the U.S. national teams. As always, I'm joined by a guy who loves the Puma third kits. Jack, Jack, no. how are don't, you doing? Don't, 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 don't put those words in my mouth. <laughs> I, I, I hate those things. Don't, don't good, you dare good. slander my name like that. Uh, <laughs> but I am a fan of Minnesota United, Chelsea which went very well today Mm -hmm. on Sunday as we're recording. Uh, Atalanta, which went well on Saturday with a late winner, and the French national team and the U.S. national team as well. Yeah, awesome. Jack, you were uh, gone for a couple of days because you went to Chicago. How would that go? I heard you went on a donut tour. Tell us about that. Yes, basically, uh, we just went around Chicago uh, like a walking tour. It was in like the West Loop area. Uh-huh. Uh, and you just we just ate donuts and uh, like awesome. trying uh, like fancy donuts from around the from around all of there. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, highly recommended if you're going to Chicago and want something a little bit different than, you know, like the architecture boat tour that everyone tries to get on or yeah. like, you know, just a standard tour. Donut tour. I'm telling you, it's all very right. good. It's very good. Awesome. Well, I was in Chicago a couple of couple weeks ago i did not go on a donut tour so i'm planning to hit that up next time i'm there next time next time yeah all right so let's get into the show a little bit follow us on twitter and instagram at final third show if you want to hear more about our hot takes maybe some hot takes about donuts uh we're not going to be talking about mls as a league we're gonna talk about mls all-star game this week but we're not going to talk about mls games if you want to hear us talk about mls that's going to be on twitter uh i talked a lot about the the rivalry week that's happening right now so falls there at final third show a little update on our fantasy premier league team or not premier league team or premier league league uh the same guy is still on top champions of europe by mr tuchel no relation uh, if you guys want to join uh you know we're still early in the season so feel free to join it just go back to some of the old episodes it'll be one of the links there uh, and join and see if you can take down the, the the team champions of Europe, which I'm guessing is a Chelsea fan. So nah, whatever. There's All only right. one champion of Europe. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. I guess. Uh, let's get into the newsroom, Jack. And before we get into that, I know I keep on pausing stuff, but we do have a thunderstorm <laughs> going on in our area. Yes, so apologies yes. if you hear any thunder. Uh, hopefully you can forgive us for that. And hopefully... We can get into this uh, newsroom section where we talk about some big news stories, talk about some score lines that happened and the general trend in these teams like like. We're going to talk about really the takeaways, the big picture takeaways from some of these games in the big leagues. Let's start off with Liga. 
uh, some other big games that happened in Liga, other than the one that we were really going to talk about. Uh, PSG beat Brest 4-2. Claremont Foot, the new promoted side, took Lyon 3-3. They're currently undefeated. And of course, we have to talk about the game that everybody's talking about, Nice versus Marseille. Jack, did you happen to catch any highlights of this game? I well, I caught the one highlight that yeah that uh, everyone knows about. Uh, in this game, Dimitri Payet, uh, AJ knows him as a West Ham play, a former West Ham player, legend. Uh, one might a legend. Say. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I apologize for disrespecting uh, Dimitri Payet there, but he was going to take a corner kick, and uh, someone threw a bottle at him, and so yes. he was like, "Eh, I'll throw it back at him," and so he did. And that made the Nice fans very angry. And so they stormed the pitch. And uh, yeah, uh, security was nowhere to be seen. Uh, they ghosted it as hard as Arsenal's defense did this weekend. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they, uh, it was not a good scene, really. And it caused the match to be stopped and abandoned. And I'm not sure what that means for the results, because at the time, Nice was winning 1-0, to zero, courtesy of a Casper Dolberg goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Yeah, I, I'm not sure what that means for the actual result, but I got some news it, on that. You do, okay. Uh, so I'll 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 let you take over. Oh, yeah, now okay. then for that. All part. right, sure. Yeah. So we do have news that because Marseille, I don't know if you saw this, Jack. Marseille refused to go back onto the pitch after mm-hmm. all of this. They're like, screw this, because we were attacked, like legitimately attacked. We had some literal injuries. Luan Perez was hit in the neck. Guendouzi had choke marks on his neck. And Dimitri Payet was literally bleeding from his head because of the bottle that just just smacked him right across the head. And so they refused to go out because of how dangerous the situation was. And according to LFP, the, the, the French uh, League Federation, whatever. They, because they didn't show up, are abandoning the match and they uh, have conceded the three points to uh, Nice. And obviously that's gotten a lot of people mad because that kind of incentivizes Nice fans to just, you know, do that more. Because if they stop the match because of that and the other team refuses to come on, that's a free three points every single time. So much so that the Marseille president has said, quote, we need to set precedents for French football. The referee was actually with us. He confirmed that to us, that safety was not assured. His decision was to abandon the match. But the LFP decided to restart the match and it is not acceptable for us jack what are your thoughts about that yo that's the wrong decision by uh i yeah. i think it's it's the fff because uh the federation Foot, uh francais football i could look it up but i've been but, saying lfp everywhere okay like, can't continue it, but uh it but yeah that's the wrong decision it, you, you shouldn't put players in dangerous situations i i feel like we've stressed this a lot in tons of other episodes like over the MLS con, uh, dispute, uh, the MLS Players Association dispute, way back in January, and uh, mm-hmm. with other, uh, whenever we talk about COVID in soccer, players are people, and they deserve to have safe work environments. Yes. So- playing soccer is their job. They should have a safe environment where they are, are, are assured to not be attacked, bleeding from the head, as a result of other people. They they should be assured that and in the interest of the game, they should just they, they should just postpone it. It's it, it's 11 minutes. They can play it later like, yeah. or just like even easier. Kick all of the fans out of the ground for the for the rest of the 11 minutes and have them play. 
that uh-huh. it, it it could be really easy, but no, the 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 foot the front the French Federation messed it up. They they messed it up big time on this. They they I I hope Marseille is successful in appealing it because I think these two teams are teams that are legitimate, like not just European contenders, but could be title contenders as well. Uh, could be PSG is a bit too overpowered. Like they, but they like they should have a chance to play out the full game in the interest of sporting merit. Uh-huh. Like that, that's that. That's what I think. And you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. Like these invasions are actually pretty common in French football. Uh, like uh, and just fights in general on the field, very mm-hmm. common. So I'm surprised that they didn't do better on this one it it's just really frustrating i'm sure for marseille but just frustrating as a fan of the french league as well because it just hurts the image really of the league i think all right sorry about that guys the thunderstorm uh took jack's internet out but we're back jack tell us more about how lfp which i looked up is league de football professional which is different from fff how they could have handled it better i suppose Stop the game. The referee can easily just say, "Okay, get all the fans out of the stadium. We're going to finish this game. It's 11 minutes. Like it's it's clear what the problem was. The problem wasn't between the players. It was with the fans. Yes. So kick them out and just play the rest of the game. And in, then it's not a problem. But no, they, they completely flopped it on this one. They, they they dropped the ball completely. That's another big thunder strike right behind me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's my uh, that's uh, the equivalent to my anger at the at the French Federation really <laughs> for what they did here because it just ruins the integrity of the league. Really, it, yeah. it's it's destructive to the image uh, of of it being a game that's interested in the if, in in not just the safety of the players but for sporting merit. So it, I, I think that's a problem. They they should hopefully fix that. I'm not. I don't have confidence they will unfortunately yes uh but i i think they should mm-hmm. and i i think that when they came back either most of the fans were gone or all the fans were gone either way like it makes sense that marseille still don't want to come out after right, that yeah. so uh in my opinion I, and i think there's precedent for this i think nice should have some matches where fans aren't allowed at least like th- two or three absolutely. maybe even at, at a neutral venue i don't know because that's like that is absolutely insane and it really brings into question the refereeing here because the referee let it happen. And earlier this season, Marseille versus, I believe, Montpellier, uh, Mont- Montpellier fans were throwing stuff at Dimitri Payet at Marseille, and the ref was like, all right, none of this BS. Stopped it, and they all went into, this, into uh, the locker room or they stopped the match until everything calmed down. Then it came back out, finished the match. Like That is good refereeing. That's very good. Payet was getting thrown stuff since the beginning of the match and nothing was happening. That's bad refereeing. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, like Jack's right. You should like postpone this match, play another day. It's 11 minutes. Like, I don't know. Like it, it's. Especially when it's a league and you have a week between games, I just don't understand how you can re- really justify it. it that, that, that's just crazy. And Jack, anything else to say about Nice versus Marseille? That insanity. No, I mean, I mean, Nice probably should have gone on to win that game. They were pretty good in that game, but yeah. still, I mean, it, it Marseille should be given a chance to compete. That mm-hmm. that's about it. Like that that's the summation of it, really. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, the malice at the palace for any NBA fans. Ron Artest attacking a fan, like all of that stuff going on. Even though in this case it was literally the fans' fault for doing that. 
and this this game that ended, that ended up for now at least being one zero to Nice. We don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, this is just one part of a crazy, crazy weekend in Europe. It's so many goals, so many like so much drama going on, and we're gonna talk about that. Moving on to the Bundesliga for the German Super Cup, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. Uh, ended up being three to one for Bayern Munich. Goals from Lewandowski, who scored a brace. Thomas Mueller, uh, Dortmund goal from Marco Royce was a very good goal. Uh, really, I think my major takeaway for this game was Dortmund's defense or lack thereof. We saw this against Frankfurt. They led in two bad goals uh, just this past weekend as Freiburg, another pair of bad goals. Dortmund are missing a lot of you know top quality starting defenders Emery Chan, Mats Hummels, Rafael Guerrero that's how you pronounce it whatever Guerrero yeah, yeah yeah and they're starting now Akanji who is bad Paslak which isn't the best Witzel out of position that kind of sucks for him they've all been poor especially in this German Super Cup game hope like uh Chan, Hummels, Guerrero they're all coming back from injury slowly I think they all had sub minutes uh this past game they need them to get back up to speed because they need a sturdy defense to really right the ship. Jack, what did you see anything else from the, this German Super Cup game? I mean, I I made a mistake last week yeah. when I said that Dortmund look like strong contenders to win the title. They don't. Um, I oh, I took way too much from one game. Shows you the danger of looking at just one game as <laughs> as something. Uh, but yeah, and it was just bad. That that that's how to describe it. Holland was terrible in this game. This was probably the worst game I've seen him play at Dortmund. Yeah. Like, a- actually the worst. He had the least touches of any player who played the whole 90 minutes in the Super Cup. He had 34 touches. That's it. He had one shot on target, which, fine, okay, not not too bad. But it was just really bad. He only had 12 accurate passes. Mm. He only completed 12 passes. As like a focal point playing up against another two. He missed two big chances. He was not good in this game. I, uh, you know, the defense, I, uh, Akanji is terrible. He, he's not yeah. a good center back. Uh, and you mentioned Emre Chan, even him coming back. He's not a center back. He's a, def- he's a midfielder. So like he's even played out of position when he's played in there because uh, Dortmund liked to play a back three or they used to at least. And he would play in like the center position kind of playing uh can't remember the name for it but i uh but yeah there, sure yeah there's I, I a, a regista that's that's what uh-huh. it is kind of playing in that role uh dropping into the defense playing up playing up top uh up in the midfield but yeah it, it was just a bad performance by them and it shows that you know their attack can be good but when it's not firing their defense doesn't do the job mm-hmm. and Absolutely. That, that that's about it they're they are kind of a glass cannon in that if mm-hmm. you nullify their their attack enough then they're easy to beat really yeah, like if, exactly. if if you mark holland it's done it's curtains that that's about <laughs> it <laughs> that and uh you know holland's a great player but that's not the best strategy really i think yeah they they really need defensive depth like you were saying like that defensive uh unit that they have really just doesn't hold up to the test of a strong team like bayern munich and if you're going to want to compete against Bayern Munich and the Champions League and you want to you know win another DFB Pokal you need to have defensive depth because you can't just rely on like the notion that oh well all of our defenders are going to start all of our defenders are going to be healthy like that's that's not like 
a good assumption to be making, right? And Rosa likes to play attacking football. They have a strong forward line. They have Bellingham, Makuku, Reyna, Holland. That's great. But all of that is for naught if they don't have a good enough defense to support the rest of the team. Seven goals conceded in three games is terrible. And uh, like quickly go on Bayern Munich before we move on to some more uh, leagues. This is a great win for Bayern. Uh, they, they, they squeaked out a, a 3-2 win over Köln this past weekend. Really good. Uh, but overall, like getting these early wins is good for Nagelsmann because even though like they are in a state of flux right now based on like going to a new head coach, trying some new things out, this really sets the tone for the entire season. And it's super Bayern. I, I predicted them to win, and they've done a pretty good job thus far. Jack, let's go on to La Liga, where we had two, I think, very big results happen. Athletic Hub versus Barcelona, 1-1, to and Levante versus Real Madrid, 3-3. to Some interesting draws here. Let's start with Athletic Club versus Barcelona. Uh, I'll just go off right at the bat and say Barcelona are weak defensively. We've known this. One, literally one of the things we mentioned last week when we were covering, previewing them. A goal for Martinez put Bilbao Bilbao up early and an amazing, like really amazing Memphis Depay strike equalized the game. Good, uh, good starting uh, first goal, I suppose, for Depay there. Pique and Garcia need to step it up. Garcia actually got sent off on a second yellow to end off the match. No, it was a straight red. It was, uh, was it a straight red? I, I believe so, because he was the last man defending. And aye, he aye, aye. and, uh, you know, um, I, I can't remember who it was on a breakaway. Um, Oh, Nico Williams was on a breakaway uh, and he went to ground as yeah. the last man uh, to stop them from happening. Gave him a free kick outside the box. Straight red card. He did get a yellow card earlier in the match. Yes. But this was a straight red card. Okay. And that's going to hurt Barcelona because that means he's suspended for, I think, two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, direct uh, uh, straight red card is two game suspension. Yes, you, you are right on that. Thank you. Uh, Araujo, who did step up for him, was like pretty good. Uh, one player that was not good at all was Griezmann. Absolutely ineffective. I looked it up. Not a single shot on target or a key pass from him. Athletic Club are a hard fixture, especially away, and they dropped points to them before very often, actually. But we're seeing ev- evidence, at least, that the, the defense in a vacuum is just, is just poor. Jack, anything from this uh, draw at all that you can surmise outside of all of that? Uh, I mean, no, they, they, they're just missing Messi. That, that's what it is. <laughs> their, their plan of get the ball to Messi and let him create magic doesn't work because uh, get the ball to Braithwaite and make him create something doesn't have <laughs> the same ring to it. And uh, despite what Barcelona fans were saying after their first game, doesn't work the, the same way that Messi does. Yeah, he really doesn't. I, I will say like like. If Griezmann could step it up, him and Depay, I think, are a very good like duo up there. Uh, obviously, Braithwaite, like they're, they're gonna have to find some answers up there. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I do like what I see from Memphis Depay. He does have like a good output in him. The secret to getting Griezmann to perform is play him in the right position. They, sure. He keeps trying to play him as an out and out striker or on the wing. No, play him behind a striker as like a center forward or like an attacking midfielder, he's way better there. That that's what that's how he was so successful for France at the World Cup at the Euros in 2016. Play him in that central role, please, Ronald Koeman. Yeah. Please. 
And I think we might see that once Aguero, Dembele, and Fati come back, like injuries are really at- like hurting their attack. Hopefully they they get better. Uh, moving on to Levante versus Real Madrid. This game was absolutely insane. Yeah. Bale is back. He scored the opener off a wonderfully laid off pass from Benzema. Great synergy from them this game. Levante then took the lead in the second half from goals from Marti and Campana. Campana's goal was an actual absolute banger. Go look that up if you haven't seen it. Was then, that the chip? Was that the chip? Uh, you know, it was like a, a, a top left, like just oh, okay. like rocket into the top left. Yeah. Uh, Vinicius Jr. Equalized with 17 minutes left. Uh, Robert, Robert uh, puts Levante up three to two and Jr. again equalizes. In the 87th minute, Real Madrid hit on the counter and Aitor Fernandez, Levante's goalkeeper, has to come out of his box like at the halfway line and handles the ball in order to stop the attack, resulting in a red card from him. Ruben Vezo, the Levante center back, had to step in in goal for the remainder of the match and he kept the clean sheet in goal. It ended up being 3-3. to Real Madrid's attack was toothless at the end, barely a shot in the se- at the center back who was turned goalkeeper. Real's defense was a mess. That's obviously what happens when you lose your two best center backs. And I, I say their attack was was like terrible at the end, but overall it was like pretty good throughout the entirety of the rest of the match. Eden Hazard didn't have a great game, but you know, Bale and Benzema, they, they did pretty well. And obviously Junior when he came in as well. Jack, this is a crazy match. What do you think of it? Well, I think it shows something as well as the last game that, Real Madrid and Barcelona miss their star players. Because remember, Real Madrid let both of their starting center backs go this transfer window. Ramos on a free, Varane to Manchester United. So they're playing with two good center backs, yes, but not at the same level as they were playing before. And that was on full display. Uh, Alaba is playing as a left back, so out of position. Yes, they have some injury issues at Real Madrid. They're waiting for Marcelo to get back. Uh, and uh, they're waiting for uh, a lot of players to for Len Mendy for Len Mendy to get back as well. Uh, so yeah, I they they did okay with what they had, I guess. But still, for a club like Real Madrid, they should be doing a lot better. And uh, Courtois had a terrible game. Uh-huh. I'm happy he's a snake. I I, I, <laughs> I I'm happy he he did that bad. He made one save and let in three goals. Uh, he conceded an xG of one point four. By the way. Yeah. That, that's that's just straight terrible uh he he was he was not good in this game it, benzema was good bale was good i even i i'd even say hazard was okay. okay he he had a shot on target that tested the goalkeeper a little bit he he was he wasn't like at, as he was like at, at his prime at chelsea but mm-hmm. he he was better than eden hazard at real madrid every other game i'll say so uh but yeah real madrid they've got to sort out the defense they've got to get people back fit and otherwise uh, they're they're not going to win the title that that's that's what i'm going to say yes they do got to get players fit again because they're missing Cruz, they're missing marcelo modric mendy and ceballos uh really i think the main takeaway for me at least is you know, it's not necessarily that they drew these games because, you know, you're expected to draw some away games, especially Levante and Athletic Club, which are, you know, relatively hard teams to beat, especially when you have some missing players and turmoil. But it's more how they drew these games. Both these teams defensively have not been the best. And that kind of goes to show that 
they look vulnerable in many, many places, more vulnerable than they have been in the past couple of years. Will they finish on top? In my mind, I think so. I think you would think the same as well. I don't think that Barcelona or Real Madrid are going to get relegated. <laughs> no. Unless the Super League like goes through and they do get relegated. I don't know. But will it be a convincing team for a season for either of these teams? I don't think so, because uh, I, I think that they have a lot of things to sort out. And, you know, w- with all, all the turmoil they're going through, there's going to be some games that they probably wouldn't have dropped points points at before that they are going to this time around. I think they'll finish on top, but the point differential between uh, first and second and third place and uh, the rest of the pack might be slightly smaller compared to seasons past. Jack, it's time for some Chelsea propaganda. This is Chelsea versus Arsenal. Maybe the marquee game for the Premier League this weekend. Ended up being 2-0 to for Chelsea. Lukaku's uh, return debut. Jack, why don't you walk us through what you saw there? How exciting was it? Uh, it, it was great. Uh, personally, I was watching this game while uh, I was walking from my uh, my aunt and uncle's house to a restaurant. So I was watching this like while walking. So I didn't listen to it with commentary. Okay. But just watching how Chelsea played was uh, incredible. Really good play all around. Was it the best performance we've ever had with the most control? No, but it does show that Chelsea with Lukaku are legitimate title contenders and yeah. legitimate, like a scary looking team. Because before there, a lot of teams uh, found kind of this formula, like Brighton, for example, where if, if you if you just uh, don't let them have many shots on target, uh, then you might not score any goals. Sure, because the defense is good, but just there they don't have anyone who's going to score for them, really. Mm-hmm. But with Lukaku, he ate Pablo Mari alive, like literally yeah, destroyed him. Goal? Can we talk he, about that? That he, was insane. He uh, he pa- he passes it out to Kovacic. Kovacic passes it to Reese James. Completely unmarked, by the way. Completely unmarked. Tierney <laughs> had gone in to mark Lukaku along with Pablo Mari because he was too busy dying. Uh, basically, <laughs> he, Lukaku literally just brushes him aside. Flattens he just runs him. him. Yeah. Just literally, literally, no, he doesn't even put a hand on him. He just runs and he just falls over and just taps it in. E- easy, easy yeah. as you like. And uh, throughout the game, Pablo Mari kept trying to foul Lukaku. Even when Pablo Mari had his hands entirely around Lukaku, trying to pull him to the ground, and Lukaku was still the one standing after it. <laughs> like, you, I mean, he, it, it was just a dominant performance by him. He only scored one. He could have scored two, if not for an, an actual good save by Bernd Leno. Like, it was a, it was a really good save. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, it was a great debut. It's, it's probably exactly what he dreamed of, to score... Uh, Almost exactly 10 years after his first debut, by the way, mm-hmm. nine years and 360 days. Wow. So uh, pretty close. And Reese James. Oh, my God. What what a player he is. Uh, just fantastic. All, all of the people who are like, uh, he he's he uh, he doesn't put up like the, the goal contributions like Trent Alexander Arnold does. He can't he can't be a good right back for England. He can't be in the conversation for starting. He proved everyone wrong. He had an assist and a goal. He, he was unmarked. He found all the pockets of space. Chelsea's system is scarier with Lukaku at top, on top. And even, even though they won the Champions League, they now look like, like uh, you know, that game against Manchester City. They would finish that one like 3-0 with this team instead of 1-0. I, I, I can't wax lyrical about this team enough. 
uh it it's it's really spectacular the the turnaround from mm-hmm. like uh losing 3-1 at the Emirates uh under Frank Lampard that 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 was one of the one of his last games one one of the last ones and it looked it looked terrible we've turned it around completely kept a clean sheet there with fans in the stadium 2 to 0 awesome yeah one question i have cuz you mentioned Reese James in the 43rd minute, I believe, uh, Reese James just pummeled Saka. Uh, there was no contact with the ball at all. Do you think that was a penalty? A lot of people were saying that's a, that was a penalty. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I, I know the incident you're talking about, and it, it's kind of tough because it looks like uh, like uh, Saka does kind of clip the calf of Reese James, but Reese James also puts his foot in front of him. And I, I, the, the thing I'm surprised by is that, you know, the ref didn't go to the pitch side monitor. That, that looks like a, a textbook situation where you would do that. Mm-hmm. But what I have seen a lot of people doing on Twitter as well is Arsenal fans saying that, oh, they would have won if we would have gotten the penalty. Would you have is my question. Well, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it really matters because like it doesn't. Yeah, but lo- losing by one in golden friendship terms it, is better than losing two to zero. Right. True. But. I mean, it, it, it's it's still like I, I, I think I, I've seen a lot of people saying that Arsenal were completely screwed and were robbed of points that yeah. that's that. I'm not sure if that's the right takeaway, but, but, but also a, a suspect goal, refereeing suspect. A goal, refereeing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A goal before halftime, though, would like set them would up help to, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I also. Yeah. Regardless, it, it didn't happen that time. Yeah. Sometimes you get penalties when you shouldn't have. Sometimes you don't get penalties when you should have. It, refereeing is still inconsistent, unfortunately. Yes, yes. Let's move on to uh, Inter versus Genoa and Udinese versus Juve because, you know, we're going to talk about Chelsea and Arsenal. or not Arsenal. We're going to talk about Chelsea a little bit more as we preview with their game against Liverpool. We got a lot of stuff to say about that because that's going to be an interesting game. But Inter versus Genoa ended up being 4-0 to zero for the, the reigning champions. They pounded Genoa 4-0 to zero with goals from Skriniar. Kalhanoglu, oh man, I was Chalanoglu. Chalanoglu. Why is that so hard for me? Uh, Vidal and Jeko, great start for the title holders. So it brings up the question: like, are their signings actually good? Dumfries, Jeko, and Chalanoglu replaces Lukaku and Hakimi, and they all uh, did pretty well. I mean, Dumfries came in later, but like, especially uh, Jeko and Chalanoglu, like. They had goals. They assisted each other. They were very, very good. Roma fans were crying that Jekyll was playing for Inter because they miss his output. Jack, like, this is such a a textbook win for Inter. Have they actually done good in the transfer window? Or is it too small of a a sample size to really tell? They've done well in the transfer window. I think that's undeniable. These are good signings that they brought in, right? Jekyll is a very... He's old, but he is a very good yeah. and reliable goal scorer with Serie A experience. Chalinoglu, obviously very good from AC Milan, one of their best players last season. Uh, and, you know, Dumfries is also very good. Uh, however, Genoa isn't the strongest Serie A side, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say. So, I mean, like, they, they, like, uh, they, they got peppered twice 7-0 to by Atalanta in the same season. Uh, for reference. So, I mean, like they they are not the strongest defensive side, but it is an impressive win. Nonetheless, I, I, I'm not going to say that it's not impressive at all, but 
you know, I it, it is a very small sample size. It's promising, but maybe Inter could repeat a title uh, a title win with with this if they keep up this kind of form. Inzaghi seems to have a good system that works, uh, and it's not too big of a change from the system that Conte cha- uh, played. It looks like so maybe it could work, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really small sample size, but it is a promising start. All right, cool, and. I, I, I completely agree. I, I just think it's exciting that uh, Inter could still potentially compete with Juve, especially as Juve are dropping points. And really to nobody's fault except their goalkeeper, Udinese versus Juve, ended up being 2-2. Two to two. And Juve, Juve kind of choked this one. And it, it, totally. like I said, it was nobody's fault except Wojak Chesney. Uh, uh, to start the game out, they were good. They didn't even start. Ronaldo, Chiellini... Uh, Kukoveski, uh, Chiesa, or their new midfielder Locatelli. They're even missing Rabio and McKenney, yet they went out with goals with from Dybala and Quadrado. And then Wojak Szczesny happened. In the second half, he took down Arslan of Genoa down in the box and concedes the subsequent penalty. In the 83rd minute, I, we literally tweeted this because it was just so stupid what happened. He, I think, tries to play the ball out of the back. You know, like, the, it gets passed back to him. He, he, he just is pressured by Genoa players, gives the ball away, and Stefano Okakachuka of Genoa scores to equalize. Oh, no, no, no. Gerard Delefeu scored. He, uh, uh, Okakachuka was the one who took the ball away okay, from Chesney, okay. chipped it over him, and then Delefeu was just there to tap it into an empty net. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh... Yes, you are 100% correct. And for some reason, that wasn't the, the craziest moment of the match. The craziest moment of the match was Cristiano Ronaldo thinking that he scored uh, the, the, the match winner, takes his jersey off, gets a yellow card for, for celebrating. Uh, the goal gets called back because of a, a very, very close offside call. Offside. I, yeah, it, it, it's the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law, because that was so stupid. Like, you definitely count that if, if yeah, like... Yeah, I don't... I hate Juve, and I... That's a goal. I, I can't, I can't like, sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely not a goal. You, yeah. I, could, I, I hate Juve so much, my least favorite team in Italy, but even I've got to say, yeah. it is a goal, unfortunately. I have <laughs> nothing to take away from this other than, obviously, Juve are going to play better than this. And I really think that before this uh, transfer window closes, they should get a new goalkeeper because Szczesny was terrible, terrible at the Euros for Poland. Get Kaylor Navas. He's going to be second fiddle eventually to uh, Donnarumma. Uh, get him for a season or two and uh, get a, a younger goalkeeper outside of that too. I, I'm going qui- to quick say, I, I actually disagree with that. Okay. They have a very good backup keeper in Mattia Perrin. He he was on loan at Genoa last season. He was one of the good the best parts of Genoa last season. Really good goalkeeper. Uh and I I think he he has what it takes to challenge Chesney for for this number 1 spot, especially if he keeps up this kind of this kind of behavior. It's it's just bad. Like that I I've watched Kepa play for Chelsea <laughs> and that is one of the worst performances I've seen from a goalkeeper. I mean like it, it was it was just terrible like really i mean he did everything wrong that a goalkeeper could do wrong except for handle the ball outside of the box really that, that that's about it he almost completed a hat trick of mistakes yeah yeah oh well all right well Perrin, uh 
lace up your boots. Uh, l- l- let's get you in there. I'm sure you could put in a better match than Chesney in this one. That is it for our score lines. Uh, really interesting takeaways from that. A, a lot of trends that we're going to be watching as the season goes on. Let's talk a little bit about MLS. Not the actual league, but the all-star game. Jack, are you familiar with all-star games from other leagues like uh, NBA, MLB? Have you ever watched those before? Uh, never, actually. I, okay. I, I, I really only follow soccer. I'm starting to follow the NBA, but I've not watched any of them before. All right. Well, MLS, like the other major sports leagues, just so everybody knows, in America, has an annual midseason all-star game. Uh, it used to be MLS Eastern Conference versus MLS Western Conference. There was a year where it was MLS U.S.-based players versus MLS international players. There's even been a year where it was MLS All-Stars versus the U.S. men's national team. But since 2005, it's been MLS All-Stars versus a guest European team doing their preseason friendly tours. So think Chelsea, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, West Ham for some reason. Uh, and in the last game in 2019, it was against Atletico Madrid. Uh, but this year, they're switching it up. Instead of a guest team, it's an all-star team from Liga MX in Mexico versus the MLS All-Stars. This Wednesday, August 25th, 28 players from 15 different MLS teams will suit up to take on the Liga MX All-Stars in LAFC's Bank of California Stadium in sunny Sand, uh, Los Angeles. 13 players were voted in by fans players and the media 13 players were picked by lafc and the 2021 mls all-star coach bob bradley and two players were handpicked by mls commissioner don garber uh let's go over the roster uh with the forwards and wingers gustavo Bo from new england revolution tejon buchanan new england revolution kate cowell the earthquakes chicharito la galaxy nani orlando city Ricardo Pepe, a young one, FC Dallas, Diego Rossi, LAFC, Raul Ruiz Diaz, Seattle Sounders, Daniel Soloy, uh, Sporting Kansas City, Carlos Vela, LAFC, midfielders, Edward Atuesta, Los Angeles Football Club, don't know why I said the full name, Carlos Heal, a New England Revolution, Damir Kralach, Real Salt Lake, Joao Paulo, Seattle Sounders, Emmanuel Reynoso, our hometown team, Minnesota United. Does he actually deserve it? I don't know. Christian Roldan, Seattle Sounders. And he's the team captain uh, that was voted in by the fans. Uh, Lucas Delaroyan, Columbus Crew. For defenders, Ulian Araujo, LA Galaxy. Uh, uh, Jesus Murillo, LAFC. New Who, Seattle Sounders. Miles Robinson, Atlanta United. Alex Roldan, Seattle Sounders. James Sands, NYCFC. Kai Wagner, Philadelphia Union. Yamar. Seattle Sounders, Walker Zimmerman, Nashville SC, and goalkeepers Pedro Galese, Orlando City, Matt Turner for the New England Revolution, and Andre Blake, Philadelphia Union. Uh, Jack, what do you feel about that? Do you feel good about that roster? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a strong roster. I mean, there, there's not many players that I think don't deserve to be there, really. Uh, I and uh, you know, I, I, I I'm not I'm struggling to think of any big snubs, really. That, that would have come about from this roster. I, I mean, there there might be so, some that I'm missing, but it you know it, it it seems like a pretty solid group of players and one that should do pretty well given you know oh well it's in the name the all star quality of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the one I could think of right at the bat would be probably Brad Stuver, goalkeeper for uh, Austin yeah. FC, who's kind of single handedly put him in a uh, put the the team into 
contention for a lot of games that they probably should have been out of contention. Uh, other than that, I, I think there are some other players you can really point at. I think maybe some some Portland Timbers players, the entirety of the Colorado Rapids, uh, they, they got some good players there. But yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good roster that they've built up. Uh, this entire week before the All-Star game, because it happens on Wednesday, uh, this day included Sunday that we're recording this, th- there's going to be uh, MLS events like a concert, community service, EMLS tournaments. And on Tuesday, the Skills Challenge. Jack, are you familiar with the Skills Challenge? Have you seen the one from 2019? I have not actually seen that, uh-huh. but it seems like a fun time. Yes, you should definitely go back and watch that because it was a, it was actually a, such like a fun thing that happened. Uh, the Skills Challenge like the home run derby and M- the MLB, like the dunk contest in the NBA. Uh, it's MLS's own fun challenge the night before the big dance. Eight members from both all-star teams will compete in five different challenges as a team. So it's MLS versus Liga MX in a skills challenge, not an actual game, but it's testing out the different skills that you would do, say, in a soccer practice. Like there's a shooting challenge where you shoot at targets from distance. There's a touch challenge where you collect balls shot at them. Uh, there's a cross and volley, which is a the, the cooler cross and finish gets more points. So this is actually a judged category, like the dunk contest. And I think they're having some celebrity guests, including, I think, TikToker Noah Beck. So I don't know about that. Jax gave me a face. I know, I know. Interesting, <laughs> okay. A passing challenge, which is you pass the targets from distance, and everybody's favorite, the crossbar challenge. Oh Jack, are, are you going to watch this? Because I, I, I'm really hyped for this. See, here's the thing. Um, for, I, I'm not sure if, I, if I've told you this, but one of my favorite uh, YouTube groups when I was growing up was the Sidemen. I'm not sure if you've uh-huh. ever yeah, seen yeah. them uh, from the UK. And this just sounds like a Sidemen video with professional players. Like the yeah. crossbar challenge is was it's always their thing. So, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm probably going to watch this. this. This sounds like fun. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be. So fun. I, I don't know exactly who's going to be uh, in the roster for this. I'm guessing it's going to be like Chicharito, Vela, Rui Diaz. I know Turner is going to be there, so maybe we could see him score some penalties, which would oh be my God, pretty fun. Would, imagine he hits the winning crossbar. That, that, yeah. mm, that would yeah. be incredible. Incredible. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil how it ends in 2019, but it does end with the crossbar challenge, and it is very, very exciting. Uh, everyone should tune on, on for that. That's going to be a Tuesday uh in the evening i what's also cool about that it's going to be in the stadium so there's gonna be fans cheering and watching along uh i I just think it's fun to see like you know players in their element kind of just like joking around like playing even though it's competitive just like you know doing what they like most which is just you know playing soccer uh let's talk about what our starting 11s should be in order to win against league mx i have a 4-3-3 uh, keep in mind that these starting lineups really don't matter because the subs are unlimited. Uh, the rules for the match is 90 minutes and then straight to penalties, unlimited subs. So I guess, you know, this starting 11 really doesn't matter. But for me, goalkeeper Matt Turner in the defense, I have knew who left back Zimmerman and Robinson, the best American center backs in, um, in MLS as my center backs, Araujo as my right back in the midfield. Uh, instead of having a defensive midfielder, I kind of said, you know, whatever. I have uh, Carlos Heel, uh, Christian Roldan, because I'm assuming that because he's the captain, he has to start, and Atuesta. And my forward line, 
Vela, Rui Diaz, and Nani. I don't know if Chicharito is fit to start, but I'm sure he'll get at least some minutes. And the subs that I definitely want to see eventually and get some significant minutes, Buchanan, Chicharito, Saloy, Kralach, Zellerayon, Sands, Wagner, and Blake. Uh, Jack, do you have your starting lineup ready? I know you also have a 4-3-3, right? Yeah, um, I also didn't go for a defensive midfielder. I thought about putting James Sands there. Oh, yeah, but sure. I, I, it, it's basically a friendly, like, it, it, in, yeah. in my eyes. So I, I, I just went for, you know, whatever. In goal, Matt Turner. Uh, I have three out of the four same defenders, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, uh, and Araujo, but I actually went with Kai Wagner starting at left okay, back. Okay. I, I, I really rate him. Uh, I, I like his work at Philadelphia. I think he's pretty good, so I'd like to see him. Uh, I put Christian Roldan in there, of course, uh, Carlos Kiel. Uh, they, I think they're both starters, but maybe the, it's it's some homer in me, but Emmanuel right now, so I, <laughs> okay, I, I want to okay, I want to okay. see him start. He's so good, so good at winning fouls, and you know I I feel like in this kind of game because it's Liga MX versus MLS, it could get chippy a little bit, maybe. So he could draw some fouls in there, and uh, yeah. So and then up front, I I actually put Shalloy starting. Oh wow. I, I think he I think he's very 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 good. Um, Raul Ruiz Diaz up top. And Nani starting as well. So wow, no Carlos Vela, huh? No, no Carlos Vela. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, pro- I probably could have put him in there over Shalloy, but I, I, I really rate Shalloy. He, he's so good this season, and when he's on mm-hmm. such good form, I don't That's know. True. It, it just feels like a good opportunity. Yeah. Well, going off that, do you think that MLS All Stars have a chance against the Liga MX All Stars? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think like. In any game, you have a chance to win. Uh, so oh, of course, yeah. The, I mean that that's the that's the cop out answer, kind of. But yeah, I mean you you can win this one. I uh, it, it's yes, it, it's it's going to be a friendly, pretty much. But like, there's yeah, going to be I, some intensity, right? There's going to be some intensity, but I I mean you can definitely win this. Like it, uh, especially since correct me if I'm wrong, but Liga MX recently started their season. Yes. So we're kind of in mid season f- form MLS. And they're starting their season up, so could, that could work to our advantage, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. And really, like, you can look at the Champions League as a, a good comparison, right? Because you have, you know, the Philadelphia Union lost to uh, Club America, even though Club America was in preseason form, supposedly. Yeah. But really, like, the the difference between Champions League and the All-Star Games, the Champions League, it's it's like the cream of the crop on one team and then also the, all of the team's roster, the middle part of the roster. And that middle part of the roster, MLS versus Liga MX, Liga MX obviously has a speed because they have you know good spending throughout the entirety of the top and bottom of the roster. MLS, that's not the case. This All-Star game, it's going to be the cream of the crop from both leagues, and we have some good cream of the crop. I am worried about that defense. We're going to preview or give our predictions on this game later. Uh, but I'm really excited. I know some people don't care about the All-Star game, but... I really like seeing like all of the MLS community come together, rally the troops, like just celebrate soccer for what it is. And especially that skills challenge, I might honestly like pay more attention to the skill challenge than the game because I that's going to be just a fun time seeing like like Rui Diaz and and Nani and and Turner and all these like Vela, like heel, like all these great players just like messing around. That's, that's going to be fun uh i'm excited for that uh jack should we go through some just quick news right off the bat here yeah some some real quick stuff 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. So we covered uh, the MLS All-Star game. Everyone should go check that out. Uh, maybe, yeah, we, we are going to review that game next week. But real quick, we have Odegaard to Arsenal is official. 35 million euros. The 22-year-old Norwegian right wing is back in Arsenal. He scored a goal and two assists in 14 appearance for Arsenal last season. Jack, in one word, is this a good move? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's All right. Cool, cool. How about this move, Jack? Abraham to Roma. Why don't you walk us through how that's going? Because I've, I've seen he's done pretty well over there. Yeah, so Tammy Abraham from Chelsea has moved on a permanent deal to Roma in Italy. Uh, 40 million euros, I believe. Uh, and he he is a 23-year-old striker, English, uh, played for Chelsea, had a 15-goal season in the Premier League, and then wow. a six-goal se- uh, season after. Wasn't played as much under Tuchel. And obviously, with Lukaku coming in, he needed to go somewhere else. Uh, Roma, he had a great debut for them. Had two assists and... Uh, actually got their goalkeeper red carded because wow. uh because of his movement so i mean he he had a fantastic debut uh re- really good player i i i hope he does well there all right i hope he does well too because i would love to see roma you know challenge for syria top four and hopefully eventually uh the title next real quick news story the owners of aston villa have reportedly trademarked the name Las Vegas Villains as a potential MLS expansion team. Not much is known. Uh, MLS does own a lot of trademarks for uh, team names that aren't being used, so this could be nothing. But the owner of Aston Villa has expressed interest in, you know, supporting an MLS team in Las Vegas. And obviously, if you have the money, you can make any team happen. And Las Vegas would be an interesting, interesting place to have a team. But since we are talking about the name here, Jack, Las Vegas Villains, are you a fan of the name or are you going to vilify, no pun intended, this name? I actually like it I okay. because, you know, the Villa is known as the Villains. That's that's that is that is their nickname. And it works well with the alliteration. I like it. I like it better than Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. So uh, I'll say that. Yes. Or better than maybe Las Vegas FC or Las yeah. Vegas City uh, that's United, boring. whatever. Boring. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, what better than Las Vegas having like a kind of like campy, like silly name like Las Vegas Villains, you know? Yeah, I mean, come on, that 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 fits Las Vegas so well. So. Yeah, and all those casino owners, they are villains. So I don't know. Jack, Carly Lloyd is retiring. Why don't you walk us through the, the sad yet memorable career that Carly Lloyd has had with the U.S. Women's National Team? Yeah. Well, after 312 appearances and 128 goals wow. for the U.S. Women's National Team, Carly Lloyd has announced her retirement from international soccer at the end of the year. She will play four more games as the bronze medal team plays four friendlies against Paraguay and South Korea. Her last game will be in St. Paul in Allianz Field against South Korea on October 26th. AJ and I are hoping, crossing my fingers here, that we can get some tickets for that because it would be awesome. Because it's not just, you know, Carly Lloyd who's retiring here because we could be seeing a lot of these players on their way out, really, but... Yeah. Mostly, but Carly Lloyd, very memorable career for the U.S. and very important to winning all those World Cups along the way. Yeah, uh, one of the staple pieces for this team and really inspired a new generation of not just girls, but like boys and girls everywhere to follow in her footsteps. Uh, speaking of, you know, women's football, let's talk about the Women's International Champions Cup. Our last real quick story, the Women's International Champions Cup, which is a friendly tournament that happens every year. Uh, last year notwithstanding it took place in portland between the houston dash portland thorns 
Barcelona and Lyon, so European and NWSL teams. And the Thorns beat Lyon 1-0 to win the trophy from a great late goal from Morgan Weaver. So congrats to the Portland Thorns. Another big narrative that I do have to mention because, you know, obviously them winning is cool. But another big narrative was Olivia Mutri, 15-year-old Thorns midfielder, who scored a free kick against the Dash in the semifinal. Let me say that again, 15 years old. You know, she had that, that huge lawsuit against NWSL, which led her to being, el- being deemed eligible to play. And here she is scoring in a, a professional game and even scored her penalty in the penalty shootout that sent them through to the final. That's crazy. So, Jack, I have one question for you. What were you doing at 15 and why weren't you scoring goals at a professional level? Uh, probably because I was uh, in some random high school cafeteria at a debate tournament. Uh, yes, that, that's probably true. what was happening yeah and you were too so i thought <laughs> yeah, i was i was <laughs> uh well honestly like what's better high school debate or you know making like a hundred thousand dollars a year scoring goals for one of the best teams in the league i don't know i'll take debate uh i might t- i might take the money in the in soccer i'm not gonna <laughs> okay all right uh well that is it for a real quick quick section obviously we like to do that to talk about some uh, diverse topics. And speaking of diverse topics, going to another one, U.S. Men's National Team. I recorded this before, so let's go talk to future AJ and hear all about uh, some injuries going on with the U.S. Men's National Team. All right. Thank you, past AJ. Uh, This is the U.S. Men's National Team Corner, where I talk about one big story happening in the U.S. Men's National Team world. And right now, obviously, we have World Cup qualifiers coming up. Our first window is going to be away to El Salvador, home to Canada, and away to Honduras. We're only, I think, a couple days or almost a week away from actually learning the the 23 to 28-man roster we're going to be taking to uh, those three games. But right now, we kind of have a little bit of an injury issue. So I thought I'd go over some of the the health and injury problems that we're running into with some of our U.S. men's national team players and talk about ways that we can solve it and ways that we can get around it by picking some other players instead. Uh, so just go, to, go down the laundry list of injuries we're currently facing. Uh, number one, Zardes came down with a pretty bad hamstring injury versus the Red Bulls for Columbus Crew. He'll be out for about two to four weeks. Daryl DK is nursing kind of a minor injury of his own and has not played since the Gold Cup semifinal game a month ago. Christian Pulisic tested positive for COVID-19, and while he is thankfully doubly vaccinated and currently asymptomatic, there is a risk that he'll still be positive uh, a week before camp starts, in which case he might not be able to go, or he might uh, develop some minor symptoms by the time the window rolls around, which could affect either his chances of playing or, if he does play, his performance. Yunus Musa is also still injured with a sprained ankle, I believe, and will be out for a week or two more. I don't think he'll be healthy by the time that camp starts. Tim Ream came down injured against Hull City, and although he's not a top-choice center back, he would probably likely have gotten at least a look. Uh, and Cameron Carter-Vickers, another fringe center back, is also injured. We also have some minor issues, like Callan Acosta and Williamson had had to miss some games recently due to COVID precautions, even though I think, for the most part, they're back at least training. I think Williamson actually played recently for Portland. 
Busio, Hoppy, Miazga, Cannon, and Richards are either settling into a new club or potentially moving to a new club, which, like as Jack and I mentioned in our roster predictions uh, last Thursday, which you should definitely check out if you haven't already, maybe we prioritize giving some of these like fringe uh, roster guys more time at their club instead of bringing them into camp just for them to sit on the bench. Like, do we really think that Miazga or Hoppy are going to get too many minutes? Well, maybe for Hoppy because, you know, he obviously might be one of our only starting uh, striker options. But like Busio and Miazga, are we really going to rely on them or do we want them to settle in more to their club rather than just sit on the bench? Good questions. Uh, so what do we do to address some of these injuries slash transfer rumor concerns? Well, with striker, I you know obviously like we have Zardes and DK out. Uh, I think we bring in PFOC and Sargent. I know PFOC had a minor knock, but I think he's okay now. So those two are really good options. Uh, and have Hoppy. Matthew Hoppy did really well at the Gold Cup, even though he was played out of position. I think he'd make a great third choice striker, potentially even second choice. And if he is you know, moving to a new club and we, all, we want to prioritize him settling into his new loaned club or new uh, permanent club, Maybe even bring in uh, Ricardo Pepe or Cade Cowell to be one of those uh, uh, bench guys to get some experience playing at the senior level, training with those guys, seeing what's all about. Uh, both of those are dual nationals. So, you know, it would be good to at least, you know, try to pursue them and recruit them in that way. If Pulisic is sick and we need to address some issues on the wing, I still think we call in definitely Conrad, Wea, and Aronson. Maybe we move Reyna out to the wing. Uh, we see that before. It's you know not as effective as he what he could have br brought on the midfield uh, as the most advanced eight. But you know he he does do a good job on the wing. Potentially we could have Luca Della Torre, who has played in the wing before, put him out there, or also you know Cade Cowell. He could also play out there. Any of those five options, I'd be pretty okay with starting or at least getting some pretty significant minutes. Uh, if I had to choose, I'd probably start Weya and Reyna if Pulisic isn't uh, healthy. If not that, then maybe Conrad and Weya. If Pulisic is healthy, though, and is good to go, definitely Pulisic and Weya for me. If the midfield is an issue and we have guys that need to be transferred, need to settle into their clubs, or we have some injury issues, I would call in still McKenny Adams, Legette, Julian Green, and Kellen Acosta. Probably call in Luca Del Torre because he does play in the midfield. And if you really need to fill up spots because, you know, Kellen Acosta can't go or uh, what have you, Caden Clark, we didn't get to see him in the Gold Cup. It would be great to see him because I think he could do some valuable, uh, valuable attacking movements for this team, even in the limited minutes that he's going to get. Also, Reyna could play centrally, so that's also an option if you need to fill in some spots there. If center back is an issue, and right now, more or less it is. Uh, I still think you call in Robinson, Brooks, and Zimmerman. Zimmerman should be good to go, should be fully healthy. Mark McKenzie. And then Chris Richards, if he isn't moving to a new club, definitely call him in. Miazga, you know, he, he's on loan right now to Alaves in La Liga, so maybe don't call him up. But if you need some guys, call in James Sands. He did pretty okay with the Gold Cup. And if you're going to try a, a back three, uh, this time around this this camp definitely call him in because he can do that very well playing that in that central center back role and if not oh, I don't even know like Eric Palmer Brown hasn't been playing well for 
for was it man city or where, where, whoever he played for uh henry kessler i guess could also uh you know slot in i bet there's some some unknown center backs in europe that greg berhalter will call up if we need those kinds of guys but yeah that's it i think those are the best options that we can bring up uh with these injury concerns really the only like place where it's actually concerning is striker just because we don't have a lot of good options and we have two very good options dk and zardes not being able to go so we need to fill in some spots everywhere else i'm pretty pretty okay with all right uh that's it for the u.s men's national team corner let's get back to the rest of the show and we're back now let's talk about last week's predictions um Obviously, we started this new season of predictions. This time, we're including you guys. Uh, so we have results from result predictions from me, Jack, and you guys through a Twitter poll. Uh, Jack, why don't you walk us through the first game? Give us uh, the result because we already talked about most of these games. Give us the result and how the points uh, fell across, and also yeah. you know. Give us the how the points works. You know yeah, how it works. Of course, of course. So uh, 10 points for getting the result correct. You get 20 points if you get the exact scoreline correct and zero points if you get none of it right. It It's not going to come into effect, I feel like, for a while. But if you get the winner right in a penalty shootout, you get five points for that. So starting off with the Super Cup, we already covered that in the scoreline section. It finished uh, three to one to Bayern Munich, who lifted the Super Cup. AJ guessed one to zero for Bayern. He'll get ten points from that. Yeah. I put too much faith in Dortmund. Forgot about Manuel Akanji. And I guessed two to one. Zero points for me. Our listeners chose Dortmund in this pretty overwhelmingly, if I'm remembering yeah. the poll correctly. Uh and unfortunately that that'll net zero points as well. All right. Well, <laughs> looks like I'm off to a good start. Hopefully yeah. this next game I can get some great points. It is New York Red Bulls versus NYCFC. <laughs> Actually, I didn't get any points. No one got any points. Not because we chose the wrong scoreline, because it didn't happen. It got rained out because there's a hurricane going through there. Yep. And for yep. some reason, MLS and the New York Rebels were like, we could probably play this game, even though the governor was like, we're <laughs> putting in like an, like an emergency uh, uh, like blanket over the city. Like we're going we're going to be like all on lockdown. And they Fantastic thought it would be Fantastic work. Yes. Fantastic. That's definitely what you should do, MLS. This is sarcasm, by the way, in case you're listening, Don Garber. Yeah, there were some angry, angry fans. I guess one to one. Jack said three to one for NYCFC and listeners chose NYCFC for the first time. I think ever we have a annulled, a annulled a a game. So we are not even talking about this. Yeah. So oh, well, may, maybe next time, uh, Red Bulls. Jack, why don't you walk us down to La Liga, Athletic Bilbao versus FC Barcelona? Yeah, well, we already talked about this one as well. It finished 1-1. One to one. Neither AJ or I got this right. AJ guessed 2-1 to one for Barcelona. He gets 0 points. No. And I, got, I guessed 1-0 to zero for Barcelona for 0 points. Our listeners also chose Barcelona. We all had faith in Barcelona. We all had faith in Braithwaite, the GOAT. But unfortunately, it doesn't pay off this time around. And we get 0 points from this one all around lame all right well let's talk about a game that actually did happen and a game where we all got points this is napoli versus venezia ended up being twos to zero in the Serie A matchup what a weird match this was uh ozzy of napoli got gets a red card for violent conduct it didn't really seem like 
it was anything more than a foul or yellow card, but whatever. Uh, the game was pretty even despite Venezia being a man up. And obviously, if you, it's even and you can't capitalize, even though you're a man up, it's going to come to bite you in the butt. Napoli in the 55th minute was gets awarded the penalty. Insigne misses it terribly right over the bar, but makes another penalty, I guess makes up for it in the 61st minute. And my favorite player, Eljith Elmas, makes it 2-0 in the 71st minute. Napoli, play the man more. Uh, Jack and I both guessed some pretty big scorelines because obviously we did not see Napoli going down a man early. I said 5-0, Jack said 4-0. Our listeners also agree with us, voted for Napoli. 10-10-10 points across the board for all three of us. Congrats, listeners. You're doing pretty well. Uh, Jack, Chelsea versus Arsenal, we already talked about it, but let, let's hear you gloat some more. How'd that turn out? Yeah, well, it turned out great for Chelsea, the champions of Europe. Uh, starting unbeaten run, zero goals conceded so far. It finished 2-0 for Chelsea at the Emirates. Uh, very good result. I guess 2-0 for Chelsea. I know my team. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> I'll take 20 points for that. AJ put way too much faith in Mikel Arteta. Uh, yeah. As much faith as the board apparently has in him. Uh, otherwise, you know, he he might have been sacked by now, but there we go. Uh, he guessed 1-0 for Arsenal, and to be fair, Arsenal have had Chelsea's number in recent meetings, so it wasn't a bad pick, but didn't pay off this time around. And our listeners chose Chelsea for that. They they knew what the champions of Europe were about. They knew Lukaku was going to eat Pablo Mari alive, <laughs> and they get rewarded for it with 10 points there. And how do the points shake out this week? AJ, do you want to go over those? Yeah, sure. Jack, unfortunately, was the champion. Got 30 points to start off our season opener. I got 20 points. So did you guys, the listeners. You got 20 points. Congrats. You are just as good as me, which is not a compliment to you guys, actually. More of an insult <laughs> to me because I just am bad at predicting. But hopefully, you know, Jack only has like the 10 point lead, only has uh, this one week lead here. So maybe listeners, you and I, we could uh, bounce back and maybe take the lead away from Jack. Especially because this week is going to be very interesting. We're talking about a lot of MLS. So Jack, why don't you get stuff started off by talking about next week's predictions, MLS All-Stars versus League MX All-Stars. Who is winning that? Well, see, here's the thing. I, I think that uh, League MX have a stronger team as a whole, but okay, I, I'm, I'm going to back MLS in this one. I, I want them to do well. I want them to win. And because of that, and because of blind hope and faith, I am going to go for MLS All-Stars to beat the Liga MX All-Stars. And I'm going to say it's going to be a bit of a thriller. You know, it'll have intensity, but I think, <laughs> it, I, think I, I, I always say this, and it'll end up being a 0-0 that gets decided on, like, penalty yeah. picks that go 2-1 to one or something like that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I'm going I'm gonna say 3-2 to two for the MLS All-Stars. Like you said, the defense isn't that great. I, I'm just hoping for a lot of goals because that will make it exciting at least. Yeah, uh, I, I, you mentioned it. I do think the defense is suspect. We don't know anything about these teams because this is the first time that these two teams are uh, together. I mean, obviously the All-Stars have existed as a team, but not this specific group of players. So we really can't tell, you know, team chemistry or whatever. But I just think like our defense just isn't world-class. League MX has a lot of good players. I also think that this is uh, going to be a thriller but I'm saying that this is going to be a 5-4 to four win for oh Liga God. MX. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but that's just how I see it. Maybe I'm reverse jinxing it because I really want them to, MLS to win. So, I don't know. 
Next is LAFC versus LA Galaxy in MLS. By the way, if you guys want to be a part of these predictions, go ahead and vote on our Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, either Monday and Tuesday, depending when the first game is, we're going to be posting a thread of of uh, Twitter polls that you know go through these different matchups. You can guess who's going to be the winner or if it's going to be a draw, stuff like that. And maybe you can, just like this week, compete with us and maybe win. Uh, like I said, LAFC versus LA Galaxy. LAFC are in terrible form. Seven-game winless streak. LAFC have four All-Stars, so maybe they'll be tired from this midweek game because there's not going to be like a long All-Star break. Uh, Vela, Rossi, Murillo, and Atuesta are their All-Stars. Galaxy only have two with Chicharito and Araujo. It all comes down to, for me, Chicharito's availability and fatigue. I think fatigue's going to be a big role with all these All-Stars. And Chicharito, if he comes back and is healthy, I think could put LA Galaxy over the edge. I'm saying 3-2 to two for the Galaxy. Jack, what say you? Yeah, well, uh, some other stats for you. LAFC haven't kept a clean sheet in eight matches. They Very haven't true. won a match in seven attempts. Very true. And uh, the LA Galaxy has one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Jonathan Bond actually ranks second in saves per match with four saves every match. Huh, I didn't know that. Uh, so that that those are some good stats. And LA Galaxy, they've lost their last two games as well. Neither of these teams are on good form. Uh, overall, I'm saying this is going to be a 2-2 draw. I, I, I oh, think wow. that, that this is just going to end up being a draw. The intensity is going to make both of these teams want to compete and win. Uh, you know, it's a rivalry. They're, they're going to want to do that. But ultimately, I think it's just going to come out to a draw. Awesome. Awesome. A lot of uh, differentials here. Maybe that continues with the next MLS Rivalry Week matchup. We had to cover this after what happened the last game. This is Seattle Sounders versus Portland Timbers, who I tweeted about this, I think is the best uh, matchup rivalry in MLS. Cascadia Cup is a great, great watch. Every single game, there's intensity. There's uh, there's drama. Like last meeting just a week ago, which ended up being 6-2 to two towards Seattle Sounders. Crazy, crazy match. Sounders have a lot of all-stars. Six all-stars. Most of any team. Portland have zero. So maybe Seattle will be fatigued. But Lodero is on good form, is back from injury. So is Madronda, Paulo, the Roldans are all in good form. And of course, Rui Diaz are all amazing. They're ranked fourth in goals scored per match. Rui Diaz is on 14 goals. He's the golden boot winner, a leader. While Portland haven't kept a clean sheet in eight games. This is crazy. Seattle haven't lost at all this August. Meanwhile, Portland are winless in three. Seattle are first and Portland are eighth. I don't know how else I can say it. I know Seattle, uh, you know, are going to be fatigued. They're going to have uh, some all-stars that are going to be coming back tired. But really, I think it's Seattle Sounders all the way two to one for the Puget Sounders. Oh, that's where it's from. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. You just, you just came up with a revelation right there. I'm a genius. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, Jack, take them embarrassment away from me. And who do you think is going to win? Well, I, 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 Seattle should win this one. Portland have been pretty mediocre. Uh, apart from a win against Real Salt Lake, even in that one, they weren't that impressive, though. Yeah. Uh, their away form is bad, almost as bad as Minnesota United's, honestly. Oh, God. Uh, and and uh, if you know anything about Minnesota United's away form, it's garbage. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think 
Seattle win this one. I'll, I'll say three to one. No, no, I'll, I'll say half the score line from the last time. OK, <laughs> well, that's I, I think uh, Portland will like that and Seattle will like that even more because they get to take home the three points. Uh, Jack, Wolfsburg is RB Leipzig, uh, two uh, top teams. Wolfsburg is actually the top team in the Bundesliga right now. Who is winning this match? Yeah, well, both of these teams are very good. Leipzig were unfortunate to lose to Mainz, but Wolfsburg have started off with a very good, uh, a, a very good start, really. I mean, uh, well, Weghorst has been very good. Uh, and, you know, Leipzig, not bad. Uh, Schaubuschlei has been very good for them, but ultimately this is a, this is a tough one to call because we haven't seen really that much of these two of these teams yet, but I am going to say that, you know, Wolfsburg, I, I want them to win this one. So I'm going to say they're going to win it. I'm okay. going to say they're going to win it two to one. I, I think Schaubuschlei is probably going to get on the score sheet, uh, for, for Leipzig and Tyler Adams will have a pretty good game, but ultimately I think Wolfsburg and John Anthony Brooks will come out on top. All right. I like it. I like it. Wolfsburg, they, like I said, they are currently in first. Two wins in two. RB Leipzig had a tough loss, but came back big in a 4-0 win over Stuttgart. They're both going through some growing pains right now because Marsh and Mark Van Bommel just took over uh, these two teams, respectively. RB Leipzig, I think this is the big one, are on an eight-game undefeated streak against Wolfsburg. And I think looking at their lineups, I think Leipzig just has a stronger lineup. Orban, Adams, Schobeslai, Forsberg, Andre Silva. And on the bench, you have attacking options like Poulsen, Sabitzer, Huang. Wolfsburg are good, but their strength is in the defense. Brooks, LaCroix, Castiles in goal. Only Weghorst in their attack really speaks to me as a consistent goal threat. And that's evidenced by the fact that he was the leading goal scorer by quite a large margin last season. They've only scored three goals against mid-table teams. If Leipzig's defense can neutralize him, I think this game becomes a wash. I'm saying one-to-one, which might be a cop-out answer because they're two good teams. That's kind of like my go-to strategy. But hey, I'm going to stick with it just because I want to be a little different from you because that's how I'm going to win this week. Yes. Jack, Chelsea versus Liverpool, the two top teams in the Premier League right now. One of your teams is in this game. Who is taking this? I'm I'm guessing you're going for Liverpool just off the bat. Oh uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but I the crazy thing about this, so I've been looking at uh the stats for these, the insights off of Footmob. The insights for these two teams are literally identical. They ranked third in goals scored per match at 2.5 each. They both have two clean sheets. The uh, uh Salah has is first in big chances created it with three. Mason Mount is first in big chances created with three. These two teams are very good. They're the top two teams. We had to cover this one. And they're both on good form. They haven't lost in their past five games. So, I mean, uh, very good form. Uh, and ultimately, though, and this this one might, I, I mean, you know what I'm going to do because I back my teams all the time. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's not going to be any different. I'm going to back Chelsea to win this one. And, but I actually have a reason other than faith this time. And it's uh, Lukaku is very good and Virgil van Dyke coming back from injury you've got uh Joe Gomez who hasn't fully recovered from his injury uh Konate uh I, I'm not sure if Konate was the one playing at Burnley uh in center back it was Matip you know I I am backing Chelsea to do this the last time they went to Anfield they did come away with all three points courtesy of a very good Mason Mount goal I I'm backing Chelsea 
I'm going to say... I'm going to say one to zero this time around oh, as well. Wow. Same okay. as, because both of these teams are very good. I have a feeling there will be like a few chances in this game and whoever converts them is going to is going to win. And with Lukaku up top, I think Chelsea finally have the person who can convert chances for them. So there we go. That's that's my rationale there. All right. Very smart, well thought out response. I was thinking about this all day. Top two teams in the Premier League. Very close matches. I looked at the actual the individual players, and I loved what I saw from Lukaku with Chelsea last game. And then Ziyech and Pulisic could be coming back to full health. Chilwell and Conte could be stepping up into the starting lineup once again. The options and depth that Chelsea have will be a huge help, especially late in the match when people are tired. You could possibly bring like Werner, Ziyech, Pulisic off the bench. You have Mount and Havertz starting with Lukaku. Like you have so many attacking options. That could be a starting 11 all on their own. But really for me, what this comes down to is Liverpool's midfield. So I really think that Chelsea has a better midfield, whether it's Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic. I'm not convinced that Liverpool's defense is enough to deal with Chelsea's attack in midfield. And the midfield for Liverpool especially is also suspect. Harvey Elliott, Henderson, Naby Keita, Thiago, Jones, Minamino. Are those better options than Chelsea's options? I don't think so. And I think it comes down to that because I think if Chelsea can win that midfield battle, their attack will do the rest. And I think that this is going to be a very close match. Despite all of that, I still have it being a draw because I'm going to cop out because I, I want to have a, diff- a differential to you. I'm going with a 2-2 draw, but it's going to be close. <laughs> okay. And I think that it all comes down to the midfield. I would not be surprised if Chelsea won. Jack, those are that's it for our predictions. How are you feeling about that? Uh, you know, pretty good. I, I took some risks, a little bit of blind faith here and there. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it pays off. The All-Star game is really like one of one of the bigger ones that, that uh, is going to decide this, yeah. as well as some of the MLS ones. But, you know, I, I think I, I trust Chelsea. I trust Lukaku. <laughs> you know, he, he can do it. And I trust Mendy at the back, too. You know, our defense, Chelsea. So good. So it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. All right. Well, as always, listeners, if you want to be a part of this, uh, if this game, go ahead to our Twitter at Final Third Show, fill out the poll there. And uh, yeah, we'll feature your guys' uh, results uh, on those polls uh, next week. Well, Jack, I, I already spoiled one, one of the answers, but why don't you tell the, the, the people listening where they can find us on the social medias? Yeah, in case you weren't listening about 10 seconds ago, <laughs> at Final Third Show is our Twitter handle. Check it out. See some bad takes, good takes, participate in polls. Uh, and uh, maybe you see me uh, get so hyped when uh, L- Lukaku scores a hat trick and Trevor, Trevor Chalaba uh, oh gets gosh. a last minute tackle in on Mohamed Salah and he dives for a penalty or something like that. You know, just all the craziness <laughs> that could happen next weekend. So uh, just just check it out. Just, trust me, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be well worth your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, whatever. Like, give us a follow there. Give us a rating and a review. We're gonna read out any new reviews that we get on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead if you want a free shout out. Go ahead and do that. Tell a friend that you like the show. Tell your dad that you enjoy the show. Tweet out to us if you enjoy the show. Do all that. 
just do everything do everything it means so much to us we're gonna see you guys this thursday for a very special mls team specific hopefully uh deep dive and we'll see you guys same time same place next week for our news and predictions episode see ya bye for now